Hello there. Welcome to episode 12 of Words with Writers podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Canadian Authors Association Toronto Branch. We are a membership-based organization for writers in all levels, areas, and genres of the writing profession. We are your hosts, Brandy Tanner and Chris Gorman. Thank you for being with us today. And since this is our 12th episode, that means the two of us have been bringing you Words with Writers podcast for a whole year. Woohoo! I can't believe it. A whole year. We've loved every minute of it. So as usual today, we'll start with Canadian Authors Toronto events and then some upcoming writing contests. That will take us into the main segment of the show, where we welcome four Canadian Author Toronto members to help us celebrate this month's theme, National Poetry Month. Launched by the Academy of American Poets in 1996, every April is a special occasion to celebrate the importance of poets and poetry in our culture. So here to help us do that are CAA members and poets Patrick Connors, Morgan Christie, Daniel Scott Tisdale, and Suparna Ghosh. Well, we can't wait to introduce our guests and hear their poetry readings, so let's get things started. Our last event, Tips from Across the Table, was an author-editor roundtable featuring author Morgan Christie, writer-editor Therese Mason-Pierre, editor Jeremy Luchik, and writer-editor Jessica DeBrun. It was held via Zoom on Thursday, March 25th. I attended, and it was quite informational. The guests were just great, and as always, it was lots of fun. Absolutely, Brandy. I already knew from working on Donna Magic how much beta readers and editors could do to improve a book, but I learned so much from about different types of editing, and it was just awesome to see behind the scenes a little bit. Mm-hmm. So our next event via Zoom is on Thursday, April 22nd from 7.30 to 9 p.m. The Flash Fiction Workshop with June Rogers is free and open attendance for all. So what exactly is flash fiction? What are its elements and peculiarities? How is it different from a regular short story? To learn the answers to all these questions and write your own piece of flash fiction, join us for this workshop led by fellow CAA member June Rogers. June will provide a brief overview and then lead attendees through a 30-minute writing exercise based on a written prompt or image. Members who wish to read their 100-word or less piece may do so, and a Q&A will follow. Well, I'll definitely be there since I'm hoping to host the event. Uh, June will do all the major lifting, but I'll just be there to introduce her and that kind of thing. So certainly hope to see all of you there. You do need to register for this workshop, so if you haven't done so already, please visit canadianauthors.org toronto events for the registration link. And that brings us to the writing contest. So, Chris, what are some of the great contest opportunities coming up? Oh, well, Brandy, for our young writers out there in grades 7 to 12, there is the Jessamy Sturzberg Poetry Prize for Canadian Youth. This was established to foster a lifelong relationship between Canadian youth and the literary arts, specifically poetry. 
The prize is supported through generous donations from the Sturzberg family and other donors in honor of Jessamy Sturzberg. The prize accepts submissions from young poets all across Canada, with three prizes awarded in both the junior, grades 7 to 9, and senior, grades 10 to 12 categories. The deadline is April 30th, and you could win the first prize of $400, second prize of $350, or third prize of $300. Or how about the Ontario Poetry Society's The Love Lies Bleeding Anthology Contest? It's open to everyone with no limit to the number of submissions. Maximum length per poem is 36 lines, and all poetic styles are welcome. You must submit by April 30th, for the chance to win first prize of $200, second prize of $150, third prize of $100, or fourth prize of $50. And there's up to 55 honorable mention awards too. The entry fee is $20 for up to four poems and $5 for each additional poem. There's also some great book contests out there for our novelist listeners. The Whistler Independent Book Awards is jointly administered by the Whistler Writing Society, Canadian Authors Association, and Viva Log Publishing. This award provides independent authors with a unique opportunity to have their work recognized through a juried process typically reserved for trade published titles. Both fiction and nonfiction are welcome. The deadline is April 30th, and there is an entry fee of $100 per entry. There are various non-monetary prizes, so please visit independentbookawards.ca for details. There's also the City of Toronto Book Awards submissions, due by April 30th. These submissions must contain some clear Toronto content, which may be reflected in the themes, setting, subjects, etc. But authors do not necessarily have to reside in Toronto. There are no separate categories, novels, short story collection, book of poetry, books on histories, politics and social issues, biographies, books about sports, children's and young adult books, graphic novels, and photographic collections are all judged together. There is no entry fee, and the grand prize is $10,000, with five finalist awards of $1,000. Oh, $10,000. I like to hear of prizes with those big numbers attached, hey? <laughs> yeah, I do too. The only caveat that I'll say with this one is uh, you, you have to have it traditionally published or they won't take it. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so, well, awesome. There's lots of opportunities out there, folks. So that concludes the event and contest portion of our show. And now it's time to welcome our guests to help us celebrate National Poetry Month. Get cozy, get comfy, and here we go. Our first guest today is Pat Connors. Pat Connors' first chapbook, Scarborough Songs, was published by Lyrical Miracle Press in 2013 and charted on the Toronto Poetry Map. Part-Time Contemplative, his second chapbook with Lyrical Miracle, 
was published in 2016. He contributed 18 poems to Bottom of the Wine Jar, published by Sand Crab Books in 2017. Other past publications include the Toronto Quarterly, Spadina Literary Review, and Sharing Spaces, a joint project of York University and Antares Publications. He has been accepted in Tending the Fire, Lummox 9, and Tamaracks, an anthology of Canadian poets released last spring in Long Beach, California, as well as all over Ontario. He is also a manager of the Toronto chapter of 100,000 Poets for Change. The Other Life, his first full manuscript of poetry, was published by Mosaic Press in January 2021 and will officially be launched this July. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Pat. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate this. Yeah. Oh, we're so glad you could join us. Um, that's quite the resume that Chris just listed off for you. So we can't wait to hear some of your poetry today. Oh, it's a very exciting uh, moment in my growth being here. It's uh, very legitimizing. <laughs> that's awesome. I love uh, Lyrical Miracle, by the way, too. That's uh, that was really I know. a sub-imprint of uh, Quattro Press. Uh, it's uh, inactive now, unfortunately. Uh, Luciano Iacobelli's Labor of Love. Lyrical Miracle Press published some great poets like James Deal and Alan Breezemaster, some very well-known poets. Usually it's one very well-known poet, one sort of intermediate poet, and one just starting out poet. So when my first book came out, I was kind of the new poet. Right. And now you've got lots under your belt. So that's awesome. Now I've uh, been able, you know, I mean, back back in those days, there wasn't a whole lot of people uh, pounding down my door to uh, to work with me. But, you know, people like Luciano stuck by me and Richard Grove from Hiddenbrook Press, and uh, now Howard Astor of Mosaic Press. Very grateful to them all for the opportunities they provided me. Now yeah, you're publishing awesome. books, and you're going on podcasts, and all kinds of things happening. Great thing, for sure. Has poetry been something, Pat, that you've been doing pretty much all your life? or? I wrote my first poems when I was in grade school. I got away from it while I was in high school, mostly focused on short stories, got back into it again a bit in my 20s, got away from it until my mid-30s, but then since uh, 2004, I've been gangbusters. That's been like my main, when I'm not at work, I'm doing poetry. That's like my main thing that I'm doing when I'm not at work. That's awesome. Uh, so I, for one, am really excited for the official launch in July. But yeah, maybe you could read from it a little bit for us. Too. Sure. So we've been really lucky in having a spring where we haven't had a snowstorm, but I haven't put away my winter boots yet. And with this in mind, I wrote the poem Springtime in Canada. April snow billows and blows, but goes nowhere. It drifts just long enough to cause accidents which change lives forever. Blustery wet wind rattles rooftops, topples and tears down trees older than the neighborhood around them and makes small dogs pensive. Springtime in Canada means we watch children play hockey on outdoor rinks, millionaires play baseball in dome stadiums and say, I can't wait until it's really spring. It is planting seeds in unreceptive soil, hoping to make life out of nothing. Cold cracked hands, the mark of your labors, and you know that the trying is worthwhile. That's a good one. <laughs> Thank you. That is springtime in Canada. Absolutely. We yeah. get a few false starts before it really happens. And you know, it's 
you know, kind of what happens in publishing business as well. And a lot mm. of things for sure. I like the line about the unreceptive soil because I just started gardening last year and <laughs> yeah. definitely had to deal with unreceptive soil. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Same. <laughs> They're and very yeah, similar this... things. Gardening and poetry are, are, you know, they're they're process oriented things. They're not something that happen in one try. They are mm. things that, you know, they're an ongoing thing and it's a continual learning and a continual, you're, you're trying to get to an ultimate goal, but you don't necessarily get there. But just the trying is what's worthwhile. Well, even that was well said. That wasn't one of your poems, but it was beautifully put. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And do, you have, uh, do you have another poem you want to read? Sure. The Wonder. The years which have led me into middle age, unwittingly, unwillingly, have yet been kind. I have lost 20 pounds. I have gained strength, patience. My eyes may not work as well, but I see much more clearly. What I used to hate, I now love. What I used to love, I now adore. What I cannot change, I accept. What I can't accept, I try to change. I am not what I will be, I am not what I once was, and yet I appreciate everything which has brought me here. Thank you. Well, I like that very much. Thank you. Yeah, that was great. Both of those, uh, Pat, are from The Other Life? Absolutely. It's over uh, 80, uh, actually about 110 pages of poetry in here. I didn't even realize it was 110 pages, uh, but... I'm really, really happy with the layout, how it turned out. It just, it just adds a whole new level to my poetry and to, uh, and to everything that I've been trying to accomplish for really my whole life, but certainly for the last 17 years. And so were the, all of the poems, when you were writing them, did you, um, did you write them all knowing they were going to be part of this collection or uh, just? Uh, certainly I've always wanted to be a published author. That's something I've wanted since I was, since I was a schoolboy for sure. There, there, there was that goal in mind. I do write primarily for publication. Now, I assume you've written quite a few poems at this point. So how do you decide which ones go into the collection and which ones don't? I'm sure you had to kill some darlings, right? I'm sure Absolutely. I definitely poems. had to. One of the beautiful things about the Toronto poetry scene is there's so many reading opportunities, open mics. I love to do open mics. I mean, I do six, 10, 12 features in a year, but I also love to go and hang out, read on the open mic and try relatively new material. And if it's not resonating, if I don't feel it connecting with the audience and if I can't do something to the poem, that's going to, that's going to, you know, make that uh, more tasty to the audience. Then I, that's not what I want to put in my book. Mm -hmm. Is there anywhere Pat that, uh, that you like to do the open mics the most? Uh, my favorite place is definitely the art bar simply because it's there every Tuesday night and it's very inclusive and it's very community based. Uh, the art bar reading series, which is at the uh, free times cafe on college street. I hope it's still going to be there when the pandemic's over. It's been, it's been in a lot of different places over the years. It is Canada's longest running poetry only reading series. And I'm, I'm definitely hopeful that the free times cafe, which is one of my absolute favorite places, uh, is, is still going to be the home for it. And whenever I can, I make it down there on a Tuesday night and sign up for the open mic and try out something new. And 
you know, just have something nice to eat and hang around and be in community. It's one of my favorite things to do. Same. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, hopefully soon we'll be able to get out and about a little bit more. You know, we're in a stay-at-home order right now, so yeah. <laughs> not really able I'm to I'm hopeful by the fall that I can actually have a reading. Mm-hmm. That I could do something uh, either at the Free Times Cafe or actually preferably if it's going to be something that I'm running at uh, Harut on the Danforth uh, by Woodbine and Danforth, Ethiopian restaurant. Tebebe and Harut are wonderful people and big supporters of the Toronto arts community. And I want to have a book launch there. I mean, it'll be very intimate. There'll probably be like 30 people there, but that's something I hope we're going to be able to have by this fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise you'll have to do a poets in the park series. Yes. But except that even that would be 12 months from now, probably I'm a planner. I mean, I've always got my next three moves planned out and my next three events planned out and whatever else, even my social life for like two months at a time, I've usually got planned out. But uh, plans are futile right now. That's the biggest thing that I have learned. And that's been a challenge for me to accept that. The plans are absolutely futile. We just have to make provisional plans and hope for the best. (laughs) Yep, have to fly by the seat of our pants a little bit more right now. Think uh, anybody wants to? <laughs> well, Pat, before we uh, let you get going, do you want to read a another poem? Or sure, that would be great. So uh, Monday is the full moon. Uh, uh, one night after uh, the launch of one of Heather Wood's books, I was, I was coming home and I was at Victoria Park Station, and there was a full moon that seemed to be very near the Earth, and uh, it just really resonated with me. The moon. Many of us revere the moon a dark celestial body, which reflects Earth's light by varying degrees, based on our wary movements about a brilliant blazing sun, making its rounds around us in what we selfishly call a day. The moon seems so alone. The glow around it doesn't allow us to see the stars, especially from our smog the city. I can stare at it for hours, sing soulful songs from long ago, Write first lines of unfinished poems about everything we're missing. Thank you. Beautiful. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, thank you again so much for being here. Um, is there anything you want to leave our, our listeners with? Tell them about website or where to follow you, anything like that? Yeah, so I'm pretty easy to find on Facebook, uh, Pat Connors. I'm a little harder to find on Twitter. Uh, It's the call letters for Scarborough songs, because that is also in the uh, Toronto Public Library system. But uh, look for me on Facebook. You'll see a picture of me doing a reading. That's usually my profile picture. I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, And what I want to say is that the Canadian Authors Association has been a really great opportunity. I mean, I haven't had the opportunity to go to events, but I've been involved in so many of these Zoom sessions and I've built up a network. And I haven't even formally met anybody in the Canadian Authors Association in person, although I've been part of it for 12 months now, and I've already got my membership renewed for for next year. And if you're thinking about joining the Canadian Authors Association, this is a great place to be. Sign up. It's totally worthwhile. I've already gotten so much out of it, and I'm looking forward to even more in the future when there's actually in-person networking opportunities. Thanks, Pat. Yeah, great that's to have what... you on board. Great to be here. All right. Thank you so much, so Pat. Grateful to you, and I look forward to meeting you in person. Yes. Same. 
point. Yeah. <laughs> well, have a great afternoon, Pat. Thank you, too. guest today is Morgan Christie, a Canadian writer born in Toronto, whose work has appeared in Room, Athlon, The Hawaii Review, Obra Artifact, Blackberry, Little Patuxent Review, Alternating Currents, as well as other publications. Her writing has been anthologized in such presses as BLF Press's Black to the Future, and the Resonance Network's Black Freedom Beyond Borders, Reimagining Gender in Marvel's Wakanda, which underlined a feminist and queer rhetoric alongside the socio-political and racially effective prose she seeks and continues to craft. Her poetry chapbook, Variations on a Lobster's Tale, was the winner of the 2017 Alexander Posey Chapbook Prize, and her second poetry chapbook, Sterling, was released by CW Books in 2019. Morgan's off-Broadway play, When We Talk About Watermelons, won the 2017 Players Theatre Prize during its run in New York. And she is the recipient of multiple scholarly and writerly awards, including a President's Prize and Rotary International Scholarship as the Global Basic Education and Literary Fellow. She is also the winner of the 2018 Likely Red Fiction Chapbook Contest and has been nominated for a Pushcart Prize and Best of the Net. Her most recent poetry chapbook, When They Come, was released by Black Sunflowers Press in 2021 and is featured in the Forward Arts Foundation's National Poetry Day exhibit. Welcome to the show, Morgan. Thank you for the inclusion. It's really exciting to, you know, be a part of the podcast and get to, you know, talk poetry this month, you know, especially this month. So, no, I'm very excited. We're excited <laughs> that you're here. Thank you. No, it's it's always a pleasure to get to come and speak on the craft and especially kind of coming together for poetry things. I've been um, diving into some prose and fiction work um, a bit more recently um, with the full length I have, um, but getting to just dive in with um, poetry is just, it's such, it's, it's always an honor. It's so much fun. And I feel like it's um, something I feel in my roots. <laughs> so I'm glad to be here. Thank you. And you're going to share some poetry with us today. Uh, do you want to tell us about that particular collection? Yeah, um, sure. So When They Come was the uh, most recent um, uh, chapbook that I had out. And it's a bit of a conversation with sort of um, colonization and this kind of, you know, ultimate alien invasion that kind of um, will stem in Earth. And it was this really, I don't know, kind of um, interesting parallel I wanted to work through in addressing some of our atrocities and some of our pains and how those things might be reflected on kind of the grand scheme of the universe, I guess. And so this is, um, it's actually a singular poem. The entire collection is one poem and it's broken up into three different sections in the end, in the middle and in the beginning. 
And so I'm going to share a few pages with you all um, from in the end and the ultimate result of, you know, this, this process and what I think the end will look like in that regard. So. Oh, wonderful. Well, I can't wait. I think that just sounds like a really neat setup the, for the poetry collection. And I'd love to hear you go ahead and read that now. All right. Sounds good. So in the end, the goldfish will go first, attempting to digest their own fins. Murder in the first, they'll call it. And all the remaining goldfish will end up in goldfish prison, where they'll be force-fed the remains of their dead brethren. The prison will be run by marigolds. They stopped pretending after we left. They were of stature once, regal muchness and strong strides, but they were hunted for it, slaughtered in droves. So they became still, swallow the odd pluck, for in comparison, there was no comparison. The other domestics will go next, dogs standing the best chance. Maybe not before the ones in captivity, can you imagine a zoo? Droves of wild, starved behind steel or glass, reflecting who they were and who they are. But not before the goldfish. The goldfish will go first. And our girth will smell of dried and soiled orange peels, lemon heads and pond scum stuck between a pterodactyl's connective tendons hovering under seary skin its wings pushed under themselves out of fear of taking flight with nowhere to go, but a gust will come and lift those brilliant bones from their nest and drop the beast into the sky. Sparrows will stare at the tumbling carcass, onyx wings tucked at their sides, sugar-ridden, fumed, and flickered and fallen. The flying bones would plummet into a toucan, right slam into its big yellowish bill, night wings and rouge ripples. The toucan would fall faster than the bones, that they left for dead. And the sparrows wouldn't be so sure it was an accident. The earth would spread and the carcass tremble, but before the bones shattered into pieces upon pieces scattered around that fat lifeless toucan, the pterodactyl will glance out among the growing trees and picture itself sowing the skies. It will hear peace, the kind it knew before us, and want to hum its part, even though its part didn't exist. When the magic's gone, folding over the cosmos and mapping the coup, crossfires and long strokes of gray teal and pops of purple, fish that swim above water because bubbles are so last year. Corpses raised and werewolves will finally crawl the moon. Their howls became divisive not long after we left. Some evolved motor springing form from their vibrations that propelled the beast towards the things they howled at. They'd land in tall oaks from time to time or atop the remnants of those scrapes in the sky, bleeding the clouds. The irony, earth was finally theirs for the taking. Its peaky graves, warmed bergs, hollow hills, indented edges, bitter cane. Theirs for the taking and they were confined to the moon unable to howl down at the place they most wanted to be. And they took the menials instantly. Homes, clothes, toys, toothbrushes, and combs. We missed the combs more than we expected to. Our roots twisted and snarled like a tiger might, not one in captivity, because we relied on those menials 
and they needed us to rely on them. Vanity is funny this way, yes, to make a thing beautiful. We oh so complained about our hair that we at least had the right to comb our hair curly, straight, thick, thin, long, short. We just wanted the combs back, like a bird might want to keep their feathers because we relied on still feeling this way, but they needed us to rely on them. So they decided to fix it then to make it easier for us to cope. They shaved us all everywhere and it was gone, the hair, inches and miles of bare dry skin, the hair gone. They took it all and not just the stuff on our heads like a person might for too many reasons to count because we relied on our ability to choose. And now we needed to rely on them. Wow, Morgan, that was an exquisite reading. I mean, the, the writing is tremendous, but you also read it very well. Like it just sounded gorgeous. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. There, it's a beautiful reading. Thanks. <laughs> you know, I love the uh, that it it will want to hum its part, even though its part didn't exist. I think was the line. I like that mm. one a lot. Yeah, that got me too. I I caught on to that one too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you both. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Brandy. <laughs> of course. Well, it, it's one thing to actually write the poetry, but it's it's another to actually perform it or read it out to others. And you just really had the perfect breaks and tone and cadence and everything. So <laughs> very well done. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so Morgan, you you write in a number of genres, uh, poetry, short fiction, plays. Do you find it difficult to switch between all of them? I actually find that different forms inform each other. Um, I think the longer and yeah, the longer I've written, the more, I don't know, I guess the more easily accessible I find that form where I find I pull from my, you know, kind of lyric or fluid you know, tense of poetry and utilize that in the prose a bit more, if possible. I like to take the kind of concise structure of something like flash fiction and transition that into something like the stage. I think it's just trying to feed off of and understand the overall kind of overarching connection of writing in general and how all of these genres actually speak to each other because you know, I, I used to have this this need, I should say, this necessity to try and define myself as one particular type of writer. I find a lot of us do that, actually, where we just, we can almost feel, um, I don't know, not, and I won't say limited, but we feel that we just have to have a central form. And I think typically we do, but knowing that it was okay not to, I think was one of the more freeing aspects for me as a young writer and um, being able to explore that in the way I had. And Frankly, I think most of my publications ended up being in the form I didn't consider myself. I typically consider myself a, you know, a fiction writer and I have more poetry collections and I think the play was the first thing that was out there. So it, it worked out trying to be able to, you know, jump into a couple of different pools in that way. And you have a uh, short story collection called These Bodies, right? Yes. Yes. And that came out last year? It did. Yeah. At the end of 2020. It was something, I think actually the first story from that collection, I think I might've written 
in undergrad, I want to say. So it was was years, kind of years in the making. It was one of those things that didn't just happen in a year, you know. It was um, shorts that I started putting out there and getting published from maybe, yeah, 20, let's say 2013, 2014. And then I wrote a couple in grad school. And then after that finished, a few more came. And then I said, well, let me actually push this thing out. And, you know, there was enough connection between my writing and some of the themes that it made for a collection. And yeah, so it, it took some time. But yeah, the full one, the full one came out last year. <laughs> When, uh, how long did you think it took you to write this one? When they come? The poetry, the, mm -hmm. when they come, I actually wrote this. This one I wrote, I think within a couple of months, it was actually finished. It was something that I had um, started for my thesis. Well, I had decided to do a piece on political poetry. And actually all of the poetry chapbooks actually stemmed from that project. Um, they were all trying to connect in different ways. Variations, the first collection was kind of about um, heritage and history. Sterling was about this kind of presence or future idea of um, reproduction and what that meant in different um, social groups. And then when they come, was just kind of this bigger overarc about, you know, environmentalism, like I said, colonization, about these atrocities, just about these, you know, various political aspects, but trying to condense it into one thing. So I think it was probably a few months, but the pre-process might have been about a year, to be fair. It was just in thinking about how I wanted to do it. So, but actually writing it was only a couple of months. Poetry is right. a lot faster that way, I find. <laughs> fair enough. I, I love when poetry and, and fiction is used to highlight important world issues. So that's... Yeah. It's such a great tool. It's such a great platform to be able to still, in some ways, try to embrace and appreciate the art, whatever that art is, um, and to elevate it through your structure, your own form of creativity. But I guess, you know, it kind of turns into one of those, um, those big uh, conversations that writers, I find we're starting to have that conversation a bit more now about the idea of um, art for art's sake, you know, that kind of um, um, not step away from, but I find that there are more people kind of shifting into really trying to use these forums as an avenue to do that. And one of the things I loved about this particular collection is that I've always been such a fan of sci-fi. Like since, since I was young, it started with my love of um, Star Trek, the next generation and a continued love. <laughs> I don't know if you can oh, see my that screen. Picard it, and, he, sure oh, is. and it's Benjamin. And it's, oh my goodness. And it's Kirk. It's such a great job. <laughs> and, That's and, so oh, great. hold on, hold on. Okay. <laughs> So Morgan, you're talking to two sci-fi fans here. We're, we both love that stuff. And oh, that's so great. Hug before you came on. So this is so great. It's so great. And I see the pillow. I see your, oh my goodness. I see your red shirt. Oh, Chris. Oh, that's uh -huh. so amazing. Big, big Trekkie here, Morgan. <laughs> Me too. Oh my goodness. Me too. And it's just, I love the, I love the cup, especially because Picard is technically my favorite. He's my favorite captain, but Cisco is a very close second for me anyway. So, so that's just uh, seeing those two right there side by side is really great. That was, that was fun. <laughs> but um, no, but that, um, that connection to sci-fi is ultimately what kind of stemmed in when they come. Because I found that growing up seeing sci-fi used as this platform to just speak on these larger issues, these serious issues that were so relevant to us in our culture. I thought, what a great avenue, what a great venue to be able to have these really difficult conversations, you know, and wanting to do that in a way through sci-fi was kind of a step away from that with um, some of the other collections where it can still be light and it can still be funny, 
but it can still kind of reach, I think, different groups and it can still touch on things that are actually serious and, you know, conversation worthy, I guess, to, you know, to say in that regard. But sci-fi is just such a great avenue for that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we both agree with that for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, Morgan, can you tell our listeners, um, uh, do you have a website? Where can they find you and your work? I do. I am at morganchristiewrites.com. I do not have social media. That is, um, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I've managed to avoid, and I feel like um, that might change eventually. I'm just getting so much pressure on so many different fronts with publishers, publicists to you know, to get on that forum, at least one of them. So I'm thinking I might, I don't know, kind of transcend into Twitter or something soon, but that's all on the website. So for now, morganchristywrites.com. Which is a very beautiful website. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah, so that's that's where you can find me online. And then, I mean, they're just, I mean, there are tons of interviews. I, I don't know, it's strange when I think about social media in that forum, because when you kind of start interviewing and doing things like this, I feel that you can kind of, to get the core value of a writer kind of their mindset in regards to certain things when there's enough stuff out there you know that's kind of addressing some of this so there's so many interviews just yeah you know find me on that site and you'll kind of see what you need to see I think in some ways <laughs> perfect awesome. yeah like Chris said we, we both actually checked out your website and it's quite beautifully done so absolutely for all our listeners go and, and see Morgan's work well Morgan it's been a pleasure to have you on today Okay. Oh, great. All right. No, it's been such a pleasure to be here. Thank you both so much. And I'm just, I don't know, it was exciting to not only get to talk poetry, but to meet a couple of Trekkies, you know, it's just, <laughs> I find that since, um, and hey, listen, I'm not going to try and do the whole Star Trek versus Star Wars thing, because I don't personally think that's a competition. Um, when it comes to sci-fi, I think one is a space drama. Uh, space opera maybe we should say like a space opera of sorts and so it's it's great for what it is um but actually getting to talk to a couple trekkies has been really refreshing because usually it's the other ones now i, I find it is it's true it's the others so <laughs> it's <been> great yes <laughs> we, had, we had gotten into a star trek conversation before you came on not realizing of course that you were also into it so uh this is quite exciting for us i think <laughs> that really exactly. was so no this has been so great thank you so much for having me and just thank you for the inclusion you know of course thanks to CAA thank you both for doing this and I'm just so excited and listeners just yeah just keep reading and remember I guess in that sense just don't limit your writing you know you can you can write poetry you can write fiction you can write stage plays screenplays do it all do anything that you you want to do just do it well and let your work always inform itself through all that you do that is an excellent message perfectly said Our next guest today is Daniel Scott Tisdale. Daniel is the relit award-winning author of three books of poetry, the poetry textbook, The Writing Moment, A Practical Guide to Creating Poems, and the TEDx talk, 
everything you need to write a poem. His short films have screened at festivals in Canada, the U.S., Mexico, and Australia. Most recently, his short film Waveform won Best Experimental Short at the Arizona Underground Film Festival, and Frog Hollow Press published his chapbook Mad Fold-In Poems. He teaches at the University of Toronto, Scarborough. Welcome to the show, Daniel. We're happy to have you here. Hi, thank you so much. Really happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, what, do you what do you teach? So yeah, I teach uh, creative writing and academic classes. And for creative writing, I do poetry, fiction, screenwriting, and then experimental writing. And then for the academic classes, I do uh, poetry, short fiction, and comics. Nice. How long have you been doing that for? So I started, I was, yeah, I was doing the math on this. I started in fall of 2009 and I just can't believe it. Like, I still feel like so new and kind of like fresh to it all, but it's like, wow, I've been going at this for more than a decade. So yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it is, it is funny, right? It's one of those things where I never really kind of thought about teaching or kind of planned to teach. And now it, it's something that I love as much as I do writing, which I never thought I would say there's, there's something I like doing as much as writing. So it's been <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Is writing something you've been doing since you were a child or? Yeah, like I definitely had that, you know, I was lucky. I, I went to a farm kid school, but they were very kind of like arts interested. So we did creative writing. I can remember even in grade two, we wrote stories for a CBC contest. I remember I did Frosty the Snowman Gets Divorced. There's something the boat constrictor at the end. I remember that was a big hit with my classmates. But that's yeah, that's kind of that's kind of when it started was in was in elementary school. And then really it was when I, I still remember it was when I was 15 that I first really started writing poetry regularly and just kind of always having that journal, kind of doing it every day and you know, kind of learning and discovering and and, and sort of needing that process. Well, I've got to say the uh Frosty the Snowman Gets Divorced is certainly intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might have peaked early, actually. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's not the case. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so, Daniel, uh, you're going to read from us today from Mad Fold-In Poems, correct? Yes, I am. Awesome. Looking forward to it. I'd actually never heard of fold-in poems before, um, but I took a look when you told us about that and they look fascinating. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So it was actually like an idea that I had. I grew up loving Mad Magazine and then one of my dad's cousins, he, he read it when he was a kid. So he had like every issue from the 60s. So I started collecting around like 84 and then in 80 and then he gave me all his his issues. And so I was always a big fan. And then when I started to write poetry, I was like, I love these fold-ins. And, and I just thought, how could that turn into a poem? And so I did one in 2002 or three. And then I didn't do another one again until about 2017. And then it became this kind of vehicle uh, of, of exploration. So, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, I'm going to turn it over to you. <laughs> All right. So the first one is called uh, A Mad Fold-In Poem. You this mucky fire slathered in my mind's frame, are as committed to me as artists are to art. At times your voice is constant. Kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself. Fist punching clay with the aim to make me nothing more than punched clay. Other times you're a cinema in my skull, screening me mangled, 
one leg auger mauled, hand vice crushed, eye pencil blinded to life. End it, you say, in the scene you loop, the cinema's walls with a bullet burst. At parties, you shape a sinister play from others' glances. Hate him, idiot, fool. When I bloom, a sun, all alight and rising, you flatten my lift into lines on a page, like Jaffe's in the back of Mad. You fold it over, and now the rise is the wound from a wing cleaved and then gilded. The blooms a thousand foot fall, the sun a drain. Yet with each step, the unrelenting chorus of you circles round me. Another chorus rises to surround you. The line of sheltering trees artists grow, low me in a blaze against your gale. The melodies of friends whose works asphyxiate your symphony. The lessons students teach about tipping your plinths. The magic of bringing nib to page and penning life with urgency and patience, word by word, with abandon and care. Even though I know it can never silence you, I love this inky trick because it fills the blank before you can, marks up your script, swallows you choking in a page mutating fold, so your cruel barks garbled almost seem to say, frame your life with others' lines, and you line your life with love. So I'll just read a little uh, note on form for those aren't, who aren't familiar with the Mad Folden poem. So the Mad Folden poetry form was inspired by one of my childhood heroes, Al Jaffe. His illustrated Foldens comprise the back inside cover of every issue of Mad Magazine. A page filling image with a brief caption at the bottom would be transformed by folding the page to reveal a visual and textual punchline. Borrowing Jaffe's Folden technique, the Mad Folden poem is characterized by three features. One, the poem does not end at the bottom of the page. Two, the reader completes the poem by making two vertical folds in the page. And three, these folds reveal the final line of the poem nested within the original lines. So here is another uh, Mad Folden poem, and this one is called Bilungual. The lungs of our dead fold into our lungs like a letter into an envelope, a wick into a candle's flame. Inhaling, we fill the lobes that brace their words, heaving the dim, urgent breath of their flickering. The lungs of our dead fold around ours like the forge around inert iron, a quickening blaze. Even as we suffocate, our bronchi idle, our alveolus stuffed with numb, our dead can breathe for us. And I'll read uh, one more here. This one is called Make. Why bother writing a poem? The future breaking away doesn't want it. Even if your lines are a monument to their moment, tomorrow's fools will legislate new rules and blast your statue or extinct themselves into stillness, the leveling left to sand and time. The present's no different. 
your poem as home at best ends up ornamenting a movie screen shared with the interdimensional villain who obliterates the city. And the past, forget it. Compose a time traveling lyric that can explore ancient centuries and it'll catch a lethal influenza. It's immunity lost or it'll sustain no senses or souls with its vision. If only poems didn't need to be monuments and homes and heroes. If only poems were seeds, it's no crisis that most crack, rot, or blow away. The forest made and remade over centuries through the germinating few. If only poets were, in truth, the mythological creature we never knew, part skin, part song, part failed reach, and nailed loss. If only writing poems was the same as making bread, the same workaday labor, or the same as bread itself, a loafy, doughy act that can break and still be shared, can sustain and is made new each day. <laughs> well, those were amazing. Thank you. And they're all from your chat book, Mad Fold in Poems, right? Yeah, yeah. So these are all from the chat book. And then uh, I have uh, a full collection of them that I'm hopefully will find a home for sometime in the next year or two years, however long it takes. <laughs> awesome. I always thought poets were mythological creatures. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I might, you know, I think I was doing that classic uh, poet trick, right? You know, we say what we're not. So then maybe people will say we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who, what, us? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, like Chris said, I hadn't uh, been familiar with the uh, fold-in poem, but I did grow up on that. I loved Mad Magazine. Um, so, and while you were reading, I was kind of reading on online. You sent us some samples. Yeah, so I was reading along with you and um, we'll include those links uh, for our listeners so that they can go and see what you mean by the, because there's the arrows you click on and fold it together, right? On the Yeah, page. exactly. Very neat, yeah. yeah. And sorry, so when you were reading them, did we get to hear the last line folded? Yes, yeah, you okay. did, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, wouldn't that be a cheat, right? Now go buy my book. <laughs> Thrilling conclusion to this sad poem. <laughs> Not feeling sad enough yet? Well. <laughs> oh i love the idea and it, yeah it's uh very cool <laughs> yeah no that's awesome uh so where, where do you find your inspiration for your poetry daniel uh yeah i mean it's it, it's kind of been like a you know we'll say with the mad folden poems the project was really the first one where you know experiences with severe depression and 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 suicidal ideation and all these things that became so strong you know, when I was ending high school and starting university and really kind of thwarted, you know, a lot of, a lot of plans I had at that time, but that was what pushed me to poetry. Right. And that's what was always underpinning everything I was doing, you know, whether I was writing about, you know, a work of art or a relationship or, you know, just all the things that you might, one might write about. And so that was always there kind of driving it. I was, I've also always been interested in just how does poem, you know, and I think this comes from Mad Magazine, right? It always had its departments. It always had its satire. It always had its kind of hybridity. And so, you know, my first few books were often like 
what happens if a poem is combined with poker jargon and car and playing cards? What happens if a poem is combined with a newspaper? What happens if a poem is combined with a phrenology bust, right? So it's often exploring these different word image meetings, these different meetings of poetic and non-poetic language. So that was, that was kind of always a big interest, you know, that just sort of comes about from what you're, you know, the things that kind of grab you, but it really wasn't until the Mad Folden poems. And it was that first one that I read a Mad Folden poem. It, it was the first one that I wrote where I was just not doing well at all. And, uh, you know, maybe probably should have got listened to my wife and gone to the hospital. But of course, instead, I just went to work and went to my reading that I had that night, um, which ended up working out well. You know, I had a lot of amazing conversations and connections with people and got that poem and then got this whole project out of it, you know, that I've been working on for a couple of years now. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting, right? It's like it's the thing that really got me deep into poetry. And yet I couldn't write about it for 20 some years, you know, so kind of never know when you're going to get to these different things even if they are what underline and, and drive your work that's awesome uh, gosh we, we could have you on a whole show by yourself because you teach poetry like i'm sure there's so much you could <laughs> talk to us about <laughs> um do you have any tips for new poets um anything that you'd like to share with our listeners yeah i mean i guess i would just say like i think that I do think everyone's a poet and everyone can gain from writing poetry, you know, and, you know, any writer, but also just maybe even people who don't think they're writers. I think, you know, I think we could all kind of list the reasons why, why we are afraid of poetry and maybe even a right to be afraid. Often it's how it's presented to us or the poems that are presented to us. You know, I just finished doing a class, a third year academic class on Canadian poetry and, and there it's a lot of people coming to who haven't read a lot of contemporary Canadian poetry. And so I just teach five new books, you know, that came out in the last year or so. And it just blows the student's mind, right? They didn't know this could be a poem. They didn't know poets could write about that, you know? And so suddenly they're like, oh, wow, they're just like fired up by poetry. And I give them the opportunity to write their own, even though it is an academic class. So I would say, yeah, like, you know, for, for people out there who aren't into poetry, you know, assuring them their, their poetry is out there and, and your poems are in there, you know, and, and definitely there are all these different ways to go about exploring that. So I, I hope people will, you know, because you do get you do just get so much out of it. Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, I, I love reading poetry, but I've never been. Um, well, that's, that's kind of I, I used to write poetry when I was younger, but I've lost touch with it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's such a common story, you know, for 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 writers and and for non-writers. That yeah, what is that, right? Why are we so drawn to poetry, you know? And then and then we and then we stop and then we give it up. And and but I think we would, you know, just gain from that lifelong, even if it's just a little bit every now and then, just that lifelong exploration. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much. This is really fun. Yeah. Do you have a website or any uh, social media sites or anything where our listeners can follow you? Yeah, like I think my website is DSTiz, T-I-Z. And then, uh, yeah, I'm Daniel Tisdale and at DSTiz on Twitter. But yeah, definitely, definitely track me down. Always happy to chat. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you.
Our final guest for the day is Suparna Ghosh. Suparna has published three books of poetry, Sandalwood Thoughts, a collection of poems and drawings, Dots and Crosses, a prose poem with CD, and Occasionally, which features poems in free verse and gazelles in classical Indo-Persian style, one of which has been translated into Urdu and set to music. She was one of the founding members of the Art Bar, the longest-running poetry series in Canada. Her poems have been published in local and international literary journals. Suparna was shortlisted for the Montreal International Poetry Prize and published in their Global Poetry Anthology. A grand prize-winning poem was choreographed and staged in San Francisco. In February 2019 and 2021, she was one of the poets to participate in Poetry in Union, a partnership between the League of Canadian Poets and the Union Station, and wrote instant personal poems for passengers for their valentine. Her words are often integrated into her visuals. Suparna's paintings were chosen for the Canadian Art of Imagination featuring international artists. She was one of the finalists in the Arts and Letters Club competition, Next 2015, as well as their national show, Next 2020. She has exhibited her paintings in Toronto, New York, San Francisco, Seoul, Mumbai, and New Delhi. Please visit supernagosh.com for further information. Hello, Suparna. Hi there. Happy Poetry Month. Yes, happy Poetry Month. My interest in poetry goes back many, many years. I would say from my childhood, but we won't go there. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you want to hear those poems. Um, But um, I was published in a literary magazine in Delhi, India. And then that led to an interview on youth times. And well, this is, I know that this is a podcast, so there's no point my showing it to you. But then um, that was a major publication of Times of India. So that was quite pleasing to me. After that, of course, I, um, once I came to Canada, I uh, got involved with people and was one of the founding members of the Art Bar, uh, which is, I think you probably know, the longest running poetry series in Canada. And one of our one of our earlier guests today, Suparna, that's actually his favorite place to do open mic readings. Oh, wow, lovely. I'm often a host there, so... You can check me out on Facebook for that uh, because lately we've been doing virtual readings. So on the art bar, that's coming up to 30 years next month. Ah, congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) So uh, let me know whenever you are ready for me to read or do you just want me to keep talking? (laughs) The talking is wonderful. But yes, we'll... (laughs) (laughs) No, um, so you're going to read to us today, Suparna, from one of your poetry books? Yeah, actually, what I I thought I would do is read from my latest book that is called Occasionally. 
then read from my first book. This is the third collection. And the first book is Sandal with Thoughts. I may go there if there's time, but let me start here. Wonderful. Um, this poem, Dance of the Goddess, uh, was um, a grand prize winner at International Dancing Poetry Competition. And it was choreographed in San Francisco. So that was quite a highlight for me. So let me start with that. Dance of the Goddess. She is theater unlimited, a drama immense. At will she thrills, a show all her own, complete unto herself, the goddess. All encompassing, all enveloping, a mass of light in darkness, a sea of water in a desert. She's earth and sky and sun and snow, a canopy in the wind covering the universe. She's goddess the immense, a finite lover to the gods, an infinite mother to the sons, boundless creator of daughters, forever in her orbit, over mountains and oceans, high and low, over air and land, arid and fertile, she flies and glides, explores and disperses, slumbers and awakens, ventures and visits, all mine, all yours, with no finale, a tableau unlimited. She's goddess, the infinite. You could say that it's uh, an ultimate feminist poem. I think it's a very beautiful poem, Supan. Thank you. Thanks a lot. And it, it really translated into a gorgeous, gorgeous dance. Um, so it, and I went to San Francisco for it. And how did that come about, it being turned into a dance? Uh, actually, I chanced upon a competition on the web and sent my poem in, and out of 600 or 700 and something, this won the grand prize, and uh, it was just such a surprise and delight, and it, it really translated well into motion. That's amazing. I, I also, I wanted to ask you, Suparna, you're, I believe I read that your poetry, um, often you use for inspiration into paintings, right? Do you do that with all of your poems? Not all of my poems, but uh, there's usually a visual component to my poem. And I wouldn't say that's a hundred percent, but I sometimes incorporate my poetry into my poems. I will move aside a little bit. And do you see a little bit of that orange there painting mm -hmm. yeah, that yeah. says on it, this is just a caricature, not the real me. That's part of a poem, uh, exhibit A. And so those lines were inserted into that painting. And so I do insert actual words into paintings, but often there's a narrative in a, in a poem, I find, and that's what I've been told. So that's the word part of the visual. 
Yeah, but you could certainly see that in Dance of the Goddess. So. Mm -hmm. Do you want to go on with another poem? Oh, Absolutely. Please do. <laughs> All right. Okay, in the same vein, a short poem, Woman in Stride. So I did uh, an image of a woman uh, walking and these lines speak to it. With flowers, her belly, and buds, her breasts, waves, her legs, and breathes, her arms. With the moon, her heart, the stars, her heartbeat, the night, her eyes, and rivers, her dreams, the woman strides into the unknown. That is also beautiful. I love it. I love the, the end line, strides into the unknown. Yeah. All uh, doing it all the time. <laughs> that, that's right. That's the, um, I kind of, I find myself sinking into your poems as you're reading them. Uh, into the... oh, wow, that's a beautiful thing to say. Thank you. He's a poet too, hey? That was no. great. <laughs> My first poet in a long time. <laughs> oh, that's so, that's a beautiful uh, lyrical thing to say. And that wants me to go on reading and reading. And I don't think you want that. So, <laughs> a song dares. There are no words, no strings, no bows, no tune. But there is a song that undulates in my blood and rides waves of amber and ember in and out of ice and icicles and wandering relics. In the magical reefs, fanciful, a poem swims. Okay. Gorgeous. I've been experimenting with uh, guzzles in English. I want to stress that knowing what guzzles are from Persian literature and Indian literature, guzzles are not just couplets put together, but it's a very intricate form of writing uh, poetry. So I have used that form into the guzzel. Desire. Writ on ancient scroll is the tableau I desire. Cryptic and oblique is the dialogue I desire. Your fingers are bristles on wild, wild thickets. Come, engrave on my flesh the meadows I desire. With a pause between words or a random hush, the epic you will perform is the show I desire. Ephemeral sounds have permeated my sky, string a song in my heart, your falsetto I desire. Your eyes are frescoes, your face is a frieze. I'm abstract and adrift, you're the grotto I desire. 
beautiful. Those poems were all really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Oh my I have to, I have to say, Saparna, I could listen to you just keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I hope you mean it. And no, definitely. Maybe we'll have a chance if you tune in on Tuesday uh, at the Art Bar at 8 p.m. I'm one of the featured readers. Okay. So you will hear some more of my poems there. Absolutely. It, it's, uh, and where do you find the Art Bar? On Facebook. Right now, they have a Facebook page, Art Bar, 8 p.m. Tuesday. Wonderful. One of these ghazals has been uh, translated by me, and it has been sung by a lovely singer, Azalea Ray, very talented. So there's a CD that accompanies the book as well. Oh, that's neat. I, I like how you incorporate these other forms of art into your poetry, the visual, the dancing, singing, like that's just, it's very neat that you're able to incorporate these different art forms. Uh, yeah, to me, uh, you know, a poem is so encompassing that it can really be translated into all forms. That's a, a great pleasure. That's, uh, I, I guess that's kind of, you could say that poetry is like the painting of writing, right? So, in a way. Poetry is... Like you see, it, it's really good at painting say pictures. The, say the same thing. You said that so beautifully. Oh. Poetry <laughs> is a painting. I said poetry is the painting of the writing world. That's beautiful, Chris. <laughs> I love yeah. that. You, you may feel free to use it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, no, I, I'm going to uh, uh, ascribe it to you. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so, Suparna, how did you find it? You, you wrote poetry in when you were in India. How did you find it transitioning from there to here? Uh, you know, first of all, in India, we grew up with English. So... English is really almost a first, second language for us. So I was writing um, in Bengali, which is my mother tongue, and Hindi, which, which is the tongue of the people in, at large, and English, which was part of my education. So I was writing in English and Hindi, sometimes in Bengali even, and so when I came here, I mean, it was by chance that I came into this group of poets. And that was, um, I was having a show at 80s Padina. There used to be quite a few galleries there. And uh, so I was showing my painting there and in walks a hippie, a genuine bona fide hippie. Someone who had uh, was a draft dodger from uh, the states, Alan Sutterfield, who started the art bar, by the way. So uh, he said, "Come join us. We get together and come come such and such a day." And I went, and then uh, I kept going, and then one day we all started the art bar, and he was the, of course, the founder and. I could say I was one of the founding members because we were the initial people. And so I came into the 
very world of poetry which was so integral to me and yeah so that was that was just quite beautiful what a great story yeah yeah, yeah happenstance worked out so well well Sapina, thank you so much for coming on the show today Oh, so much pleasure, like-minded people, just uh, fulfill the part of us that keeps us thriving. Absolutely. You have such a way with words, even just saying that fulfill the parts of us that make us thrive. It's just, you're speaking poetry even when you're not actually writing it. So uh, it was just such a pleasure to have you on. (laughs) Thank you. Great pleasure talking to both of you. I'm impressed by all our guests today. That was really nice. Yeah, they're amazing. Everybody was just so nice and what great poetry. I mean, it's just... Absolutely. They were an amazing cross-section of different types of poetry also. And a great, like they were so visual. Mm-hmm. And even the lengths, like Morgan shared a piece of a longer poem with us. And then there were some shorter ones and... Uh, with Suparna, I thought it was so neat that she incorporates these other artistic forms within her poetry. Everybody was phenomenal. And we found out our own Chris Borman is a little poet too. So (laughs) (laughs) with his, I could sink into your poems. (laughs) But I could. (laughs) I know, but it's just, it was, it came right from the heart, but it was so poetic. I, her face just lit right up when you said that. It was... I, I have heard from several people that my writing is poetic. But I'm not so sure do, if it is now, but it, it used to be. So do, do you write poetry at all ever? Do you dabble a little or? I dabble a little, not as much as I probably um, should or would like to, but yeah. Here and there. Here and there. There was a time in my life, I think I mentioned earlier on the show today, there was a time in my life when I did write uh, poetry fairly intensely. Um, And I suppose it actually did get me through not a dark time, but a time of great change in my Mm -hmm. life, where I was kind of discovering who I was. I guess there it it really connects to um, to your inner person in a way writing can't, I guess. Mm-hmm. No, I, I still, uh, I'll sit down and dabble with some poetry. Um, I haven't been as into it as an adult as I was when I was a teenager. So I was a very angsty teenager and I liked to, you know, I'm sure most of us were, but I liked to get a lot of that out through writing and poetry just seems particularly good (laughs) for getting some of that angst out. Right. So yeah. Anyways, I'm a little less angsty nowadays, a little less. A lot of my early poetry is very full of teenage angst. Mm -hmm. Mm Okay, well, that was uh, some wonderful readings, wonderful guests we had on the show today. 
And now it's time to share the news from our members. So first up, uh, Gordon K. Jones is excited to announce that he has been signed by Bookland Press to record an audiobook of his crime thriller, Saving Tiberius, which is currently available in print and as an ebook. Awesome news, Gord. Absolutely. Also, Rosanna Micheletta Battagelli is pleased to announce that her new website is up. So check it out at www.rosannabattagelli.com. And I'll spell that R O S A N N A B A T T I G E L L I.com. Her Easter book for children, Easter Morning, Easter Sun, has been released by Pajama Press. And her fourth book for Harlequin, Rescued by the Guarded Tycoon, has also been released and is available at Amazon and Chapters. Rosanna's collection, Pigeon Soup and Other Stories, will be released by Anana Publications in May 2021. Wow, Rosanna, you've been busy. Congratulations on all of that. And I, I love the title of that collection, Pigeon Soup and Other Stories. I want to know what this pigeon soup is all about. Um, so Carmel M. Toussaint's new book, Humanity's Struggles with Inequality, More Inequality Divides, Less Inequality Unites, is now available on Amazon. This book presents a systemic analysis of inequality, its origin, development, and potential solutions. So very relevant to today's discussions, I think. So good job. Congratulations, Carmel. For sure. And in honor of National Poetry Month, Catherine Graham's seventh poetry collection, Ether, an out-of-body lyric, launches on Thursday, April 15th at 7 p.m. This is a partnership between Toronto Lit Up, Wolzak and Wynn, Toronto Arts Council, and Toronto International Festival of Authors. The special guest is Kathleen McCracken a wonderful poet from Northern Ireland. I already registered uh, for her launch because I've seen Catherine Graham before uh, get poetry readings and things, and she's phenomenal. So I'm already registered for that. Hopefully lots of our listeners will get to be at that launch. I, I love the member news part of our show, Chris. It's just so nice to hear all the amazing things that our writers are up to. So before we get going for this month, uh, one last note about our member book catalog. Uh, so you've heard us talk about this fee-based service before. Uh, Chris actually has his book up on our member book catalog, so you can go to the site and buy his book at any time. We have a special event happening around that right now. So if you want your book cover featured in Canadian Author Association's Centennial Celebration Puzzle, now is the time to get your book up on that catalog. 2021 marks our 100th anniversary, so we've decided to celebrate our members in as many ways as we can think of. The Centennial Puzzle will be one of many opportunities to do so by showcasing the book covers of 100 of our members. If you're already a member, you simply subscribe to the book catalog at canadianauthors.org national slash member dash book dash catalog by April 30th. 
your book is already featured in the catalog, there's nothing further to do at this time. And if you're not a member yet, well, join us now at our special $100 anniversary rate, and you will then be eligible to be included in the book catalog, and then for inclusion in the puzzle, as well as our other celebratory events. That sounds amazing. I love puzzles. <laughs> I know. I'm excited for it. Yeah. I didn't even know that was happening, so that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Your book's going to be in there, Chris. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Brandy, it's time for us to call it a day. Remember, listeners, we are planning something special for when we reach 1,000 downloads, and we're closing in on that now. So help us get to the 1,000 mark by spreading the word, liking us on your favorite social media, sharing us with your friends, and subscribing to the podcast. Our next episode will be our first one of our second year on the year. So we hope to have lots of fun new things to tell you about. And that, our dear friends, brings us to the end of our 12th episode and of our first year of Words with Writers podcast. Thank you for being with us again this month, and we'll return with a new episode on Saturday, May 22nd. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.